Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. 1 John 1.6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and are not practicing the truth. What is truth? John 4.23 and 24 says, But an hour is coming and it is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truthfulness. For the Father also seeks such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truthfulness. So truth, or truthfulness, is very related to our worship of God. This is Matt Miller, and Bob Danker has joined me for a discussion of the truth in the New Testament. Thanks, Bob, for coming into the studio today. It's very good to be with you, Matt. You know, this word truth is an important word in the New Testament, and it is a word that the Apostle John uses quite frequently in his writings. Actually, as we will see in this program, the word truth is not a superficial word, but a word with real spiritual depth. And uh, I hope that by our fellowship today, we can bring out some of the deep significances and denotations of this word as it is used in the Bible. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, Bob, I read that verse, but in the New Testament recovery version that's published by Living Stream Ministry, Witness Lee wrote a long footnote detailing the eight definitions of the truth throughout the New Testament. And we don't have time to read that long note now, but I encourage our listeners to get it, and uh, we'll give a number at the end of the program where you can call us if you don't have a recovery version where you can get one. But let's go to Witness Lee right now for today's life study as he discusses these different points related to this Greek word in 1 John 1, 6 for the truth, which is aletheia. The word aletheia in the New Testament refers to the truth of the Trinity. Firstly, the truth of God. Secondly, the truth of Christ. Then the truth of the Spirit. The entire Trinity is the truth. Now, the fourth point in the New Testament concerning the truth is that the truth is the Word. Then, this word has a content. The reality in New Testament refers to the very content of our faith, which is the content of the entire New Testament. The New Testament uses the word truth also referring to these things, the genuineness, the truthfulness, sincerity, honesty, trustworthiness, and faithfulness of God as a divine virtue. Not only denoting the uh, divine virtue of God, but also of man as a human virtue and as an issue of the divine reality. 
For instance, in John 4.23-24, it says, God is spirit. They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in reality or in truth. Truth refers to the issue of God being reality to you. You enjoy God as your reality. And this enjoyment has something coming out. What is that something? The result is just Christ coming out of you. When you enjoy the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, as your reality. In other words, when the divine trinity becomes a reality to you for your enjoyment, and this kind of enjoyment of the divine trinity issues in a kind of a virtue. And that virtue is just the experience of Christ. Wow, Bob, this is a definition of the truth that I don't think has ever been heard on radio before. And uh, I'm glad that we could do it here today. And this definition of truth is really related to the person. Christ is the truth. He said, I am the truth. And we see the truth is really a person. What a revolutionary thought. That's right, Matt. Truth, in the Bible at least, means more than just fact or that which is right or factually true. In the Bible, truth really means reality as opposite of vanity or emptiness, that which is real. And according to the scriptures, the reality in this entire universe is nothing but God himself. The triune God is the reality. God is the truth. And so when this God became a man through incarnation, uh, John said, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth, or full of reality. So this incarnated God is full of reality. He himself is the reality. And when he came through incarnation, he brought reality to us and to all men. And then, as you pointed out, Matt, while the Lord Jesus was living on the earth, he told people, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth here means the reality. Christ is the reality. And then eventually, later on, we will see in John's epistle here, he declares that the Spirit is the truth or the reality. And the Lord Jesus in John 14 said, another comforter will come, right? And who is this comforter? He's the Spirit of truth or the Spirit of reality. So this Spirit is the reality because he's the reality of Christ who is the embodiment of of the triune God. So truth, in its first and highest definition in the New Testament, really denotes the person of the triune God. 
And then, as Witness Lee pointed out at the end of this section, he said, when we experience and enjoy this triune God as our reality, then this issues in a kind of a virtue in our worship of God. We'll get into this much more uh, later in the broadcast, but eventually, when we enjoy the triune God as reality, he becomes reality in us. And this reality is manifested in us and through us when we worship God in truth. Thanks, Bob. I think that's helpful. I I wish we had the whole program to focus on just this one point. You mentioned at the beginning that that the truth in the New Testament is just not the facts, just not the uh, things that are true or real. I just wanted to point out in that one footnote that describes the eight aspects of the truth, this long note I referred to earlier, We've only covered the first four of them, and I don't think in our radio program today we're going to be able to get to all eight, but I did want to point out number eight says that the things that are true or real, the true or real state of affairs, the facts, the reality, the veracity as the opposite of falsehood. So actually, this is part of the truth, but it's not the main point of the truth. Right. The main point of the truth, like you just said, is that truth is God, Christ, the Spirit, the Word, becoming real in us. Let's go back to Witness Lee for as we continue on this matter of the truth and see how it applies to us in the New Testament. Here's Witness Lee. In the Old Testament time, the children of Israel worshipped God in a certain place. We all know that, right? In Zion. That was the place where they had to go to worship God and when they weren't there to worship, they shouldn't go empty-handed. They should go to that designated place to worship God with offerings. And all those offerings were types of Christ. So in brief, in typology, all the ancient children of Israel worshipped God in a certain place, Definitely designated by God and with the offerings. Now, the Samaritan woman in John 4 talked to Lord Jesus about God's worship. And she raised up the question that she said their father worshipped on the Mount of Garrison, but the Jews insisted to worship God on the Mount of Zion and so forth. So uh, the Lord Jesus told her the time changes. That means the dispensation changes. Now is the hour of the Spirit. God is Spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in Spirit, not on any mountain. In the fulfillment of that typology, the Spirit our spirit, the human spirit, replaces the place of Mount Zion. Then with what? Still with the offerings in the fulfillment of the typology. The very Christ whom we experience. So we have to worship God today in our spirit with the very Christ whom we have experienced as our Burn offering, meal offering, sin offering, trespass offering, and peace offering. Bob, I think we're 
reaching some foreign language for some of our listeners. I don't want to ask you to stop and explain what is this dispensational change from worshiping God on his chosen Mount Zion in the Old Testament to the new picture in the New Testament of worshiping in the human spirit with these different offerings that he just described. This is a very profound picture, Matt. As we know, in the Old Testament, God prescribed a certain place for the children of Israel to go to bring the produce of the good land for the, so that they may offer something to God, and then they could enjoy these offered uh, offerings. Then they could enjoy what they offered with one another and with God. This was their worship. It was all together with physical things in a physical place. But when the New Testament age came, the Lord in John 4 announced to this Samaritan woman that a new dispensation was being brought in. Now, from that point on, it was no longer a matter of going to a certain place to worship God or of offering God physical things such as bulls and goats and lambs and so forth. It was a new age was being ushered in. Because God is spirit, man should worship God not on a certain mountain, but in man's spirit. Not in a certain way by bowing down or with certain kinds of music, but in the human spirit. Then Christ replaces all the offerings in the Old Testament. He's the reality of those offerings. If we're going to worship God with the offerings, we now need to worship God with Christ as the reality of all those offerings. And that means we need to experience Christ as the offerings. We need to enjoy him day by day as the reality of our sin offering. For instance, when we realize that we're sinful and fallen, then we can enjoy the Lord as our sin offering. We can say to the Lord, Lord, I'm fallen, I'm sinful, but in you there's no sin. Yet you were made sin on my behalf, and you were offered to God as my sin offering. I take you now, Lord, as my sin offering. We can enjoy Christ as all the offerings, the trespass offering, the burnt offering. You know, the burnt offering is a symbol of Christ as the one who is absolutely for God. When we realize that we are not for God, then we know we need Christ as our burnt offering, and so forth. With all the offerings, we can enjoy Christ, experience him day by day as all the offerings. Then, when we come to worship God, we come together with the brothers and sisters in the Lord, we come in our human spirit, we get into our spirit, we enter into our human spirit, and we enjoy this Christ with one another and with God. This is the worship that God is seeking today. Wow, Bob, this is uh, so encouraging. I was going to ask you to make these points practical, but I don't think you could do it any more so than you already did. The, The burnt offering, we realize that we're not absolute for God, but Christ is. And when we tell him that, we're experiencing him as the burnt offering. How about the peace offering? How about the meal offering? I'll give you a few more minutes here. Yes. Of course, the meal offering we know was made of fine flour mingled with oil. This is a type of Christ as the bread of life, as our life supply. So every day we need to eat this meal offering. We need to eat Christ as the one who was 
God mingled with man. We need to take him as our life supply. And then the issue, the result of all the other offerings is Christ as our peace. We enjoy Christ as our peace offering, our peace with God and with man. When we have a rich enjoyment of Christ as the offerings, then we come together to worship God in our spirit then we all enjoy this Christ together because he has been enjoyed by you. He has been enjoyed by me. He has been enjoyed by all the brothers and sisters, and he's become our reality. So then we can enjoy him as reality with God and with one another. This is the genuine worship of God. I had heard John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24 for a long time, Bob, about God desires those to worship him in spirit and in reality or in spirit and in truthfulness. Yet until I heard this, it never opened up like it does when you realize what's behind what the Lord said and what he desires, the kind of worship he desires. This kind of experience is really an eye-opener. And I think we should go on as Witness Lee concludes with more on this very same point, and then we'll come back for some final fellowship. Here's Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. The Christian life is a life that experiences Christ all the day long. And this kind of experience of Christ produces the offerings for you to come to worship God with. And this means we Christians every day have to experience Christ. Again and again, day after day. Then, when the meeting time of the church comes, we come in our spirit with the very Christ whom we have been experiencing all the day long. In some sense, we offer him as our sin offering. In some sense, we offer him as our trespass offering, as our burn offering, as our meal offering. We offer him as a peace offering. And these offerings are just very Christ, whom we have experienced subjectively. So, To experience Christ is just to enjoy the triune God. And this kind of enjoyment practically and subjectively issues in us with a reality. We do have something real. What is this something? This is Christ. And you may say, this is also your kind of reality. God wants us to worship him with the very Christ whom we experience day after day. In experiencing the very Christ, we enjoy God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. This enjoyment issues in our personal reality. I have Christ in my spirit I have Christ in my entire being and this Christ whom I have experienced becomes my reality now I come to worship God not only in my spirit but also with this reality which is the very Christ whom I have been experiencing all the day long 
This is the reality in John 4, 23 and 24. Bob, this is a completely different view of worshiping God than I think most of our listeners are used to. Could you explain how it's possible to have a worship service with, say, a few hundred people who've all been enjoying Christ in such a way as Witness Lee just described and then come together in one place and worship God? This is really what God is dreaming about, I would say. This is God's dream, to have a group of people who experience Christ and enjoy Christ as the reality day by day, even moment by moment, so that their very being is full of Christ as reality. And Christ becomes their personal reality. This is quite a term, I think, personal reality. We know Christ in himself is the reality. But what about Christ to me? Is he my reality? Has he been uh, dispensed and constituted into my very being to be my personal reality? Well, for this to take place, I need to enjoy him and experience him day by day. But you could just imagine what would happen if a group of people came together who were filled with Christ. They wouldn't need anything external to help them to worship God. They wouldn't need a certain program to follow. They would be full of Christ. They would come with Christ. And what would they do? They would, they would pray. They would praise uh, God, offering this Christ as their praise. Uh, they might sing, but it would be in a spontaneous way, not in a programmed way, because Christ would be the reality within them, filling them up and flowing out of them in song right? Mm -hmm. They would also speak to one another. They would spontaneously speak to one another concerning the Christ whom they have enjoyed. Again, this would not follow an external program. This would be the issue of the very Christ who was living in them and, in a sense, overflowing out of their very being. This is, I would, I would say, this is the kind of worship God desires. He wants to be worshipped by a people who are filled with Christ as reality. And when they come together, they just bring this very Christ whom they've experienced, and they share him with God and with one another by prayer, prayer, by praising, by singing, by speaking, by many, many ways that are just a spontaneous outflow of this Christ who has become their personal reality. Bob, this is God's desire. It's God's dream. And it sounds so unique from what you can find on the earth today. I, I'm inspired. And the one question you asked today, I felt uh, very personal to myself. I hope the listeners driving down the road or wherever they are also took it in a personal way that when you ask the question, is Christ my personal reality? As I go home tonight, that's going to be echoing within my heart. Is Christ my personal reality? And I hope that you ask yourself that same question right now. Is Christ my personal reality? Or is he just something far away? Is he just a truth in a book? Or is he my truth? Is he my reality? Our prayer today is that if he's not, he would become so. And if he is, he would become more so, so that you could participate in the worship that God's desiring and dreaming about. Bob, thanks for coming into the studios for this special program today. It's my pleasure, Matt. And uh, if you'd like to get 
the printed materials that we have to follow up with this program, we'd encourage you to call us at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can write to Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to radio at lsm.org. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Thank you for listening today. And remember, Christ should be your personal reality. Millions of Christians have been strengthened in their faith through the ministry of Watchman Nee. In a recent release by Living Stream Ministry entitled The Overcoming Life, Watchman Nee sounds a call to the believers to pursue the normal Christian life that is hidden with God in Christ. The Overcoming Life is filled with truth, reverberates with hope, and brings the reader to renewed consecration. The Overcoming Life by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.